on a 12.7 D-Deck 3 or D-Deck 4. you got to have that RPM up a little bit higher. Right. And his last thing he said to me, wow, at 16.50, I can't get over how low I can keep the boost and how less, how much less I'm pushing on the pedal. I said, well, now bring it up another half a gear, get it out of 11th and come up to 12th and let's play with it there. And then Bridget called. So we had to go, but you got to be careful. Uh, what works on the brand new trucks doesn't work on a glider with an older engine sometimes. And you got to be careful with the statement gear fast, run slow doesn't always work yeah they came out with that so in the we're early, gonna work with them they, they came out with that in the early 2000s and there was about a decade where it just didn't make sense and and now it, it actually does right. they they're they were way off on their timing on that because you're right the the pre-emission engines for sure if you're building a glider they do much better in the 14 1500 range but i, I still am i i'm gonna predict that if he runs in 12th, he might bring it up into the mid to high five somewhere. But there's something else wrong with this truck. Well, it's not developing its full power. So we're he's going to try to get it to Pittsburgh. He's going to talk to the owner of the truck. And it seems like uh, like the owner's willing to listen to him now. Did uh, Speaking of gliders. Anyway, you know, we don't like the three. Go ahead. We don't like 336 gears, and when he told me 321, I said, wow. Yeah. Speaking of gliders, have you guys been following the uh, controversy on the EPA glider rule and the testing they did at Tennessee? I think it was Tennessee State. Oh, is that awesome or what? (laughs) Oh, my God. I, I, for the people, yeah, who, I read that whole thing. For the people who I've been following this for a couple months, so you know the EPA came out and, and they were trying to squash gliders, and you know you could only build so many a year, and then they were going to go away completely. And uh, obviously, um, there was some fight in Congress. I mean, this is going on in Congress, and it's not surprising that the um, representatives that are fighting hard against it are from. Tennessee, where Fitzgerald is, they build more gliders than anybody. Um, And then while they're arguing this and debating it back and forth, a research paper comes out. I think it was Tennessee State University. I'd have to go look at the details. uh, Claiming that these pre-emission engines do not pollute any more than the new emission engines do. And, look, I I don't know that there was a bigger critic of the emission engines than me. I bashed those things forever. I'm finally starting to come around. So I'm certainly biased in this against the emission engines. But as soon as I saw that report, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I I don't like these engines, but they are way cleaner. I mean, that's just common sense. (laughs) And when I saw this report, I thought, where the hell did that come? from well sure enough it's been exposed now as like a complete scam and a hoax and the university is backpedaling really fast they claim they didn't even know the report was done it wasn't sanctioned by the university the person who did the report didn't have any credentials to do it um it it was basically bought and paid for 
Uh, yeah, I saw. I read that it was bought and paid for. Yeah, the university is not going to stand behind the results at all. I, I read the whole thing. I, we we we've got emissions test equipment here, right? So if I turn the EGR off on the, on an engine we've got done on the dyno, the NOx output in gram per horsepower hour triples. Yeah, yeah, instantly. I'm not surprised. Well, like, it, it's, it's not even close. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so for some universities to do a study that said that and oh. had someone credible sign their name to it is just just ridiculous. Uh, you know the technology does work whether you like it or not it works and it's it's it's, it's crazy so if anyone watches netflix there's a uh, there's a series on netflix called dirty money which is really really interesting and they've got a really cool uh, uh expose or or a deal on the whole vw thing which is, was really neat because it had some of the guys from west virginia that i've met before were on it it was it was pretty interesting i don't know if uh, anyone watches on netflix but there's a series called dirty money and that was the first episode. Was called Hard Knocks, and it explained what Volkswagen did to cheat the uh, emissions deal. And what it got down to was it was warranty. They would literally turn the SCR off after a certain amount of miles, or if it saw so many movements of the steering wheel, or if it saw all four wheels turning instead of the two that it would only turn on the on the dyno where it was tested. So they'd literally shut it off just to save it. Uh, you know that they'd, they'd turn the def off. You know, just just so they wouldn't have as many warranty issues was the biggest reason. Very little to do with performance. Uh, in fact, the cars that are making it back to market now that have been you know, repaired uh, have uh, you know they perform almost identically to the ones that had the cheat. But the cheat was to help save them uh, money and warranty costs and reliability issues with the SCR. You know, I, but uh, really interesting watch if if you ever get a minute. I, I read the the VW you know information in depth because it was really interesting. I want to watch that because I haven't seen that. Um, but here's the here's the difference. Their cheat was very sophisticated, and they sold cars all around the world for years and didn't get caught. It was sophisticated. This fiasco was like. The Three Stooges robbing a bank. What What the hell did they think? How did they think they were going to get away with that? As soon as I read the headline, you know, pre-emissions engine, no more polluting than new words. I thought, you got to be kidding me. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, there there is one, you know, if you do burn less fuel, you make less carbon dioxide. That's the only way to make less CO, CO2 is to burn less fuel. So, technically, yeah. if we... You know, if there's an engine that, that has, you know, a pre-emission engines out there getting better fuel mileage than a post-emission engine, well, okay, it is making less CO2. Fact. That's it. That's yep. where it ends. Right. Everything else gets worse. And PM's I, worse. NOx is worse. Everything else is worse. I, I've said that for years, that exact statement, that here's one thing. When, when we take these pre-emission engines, we get really good fuel economy out of them. Here's the improvement. And that's it. You're right. All right. Well, we've... Uh, We've blown through another segment. I'm going to get to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to get to your calls and questions right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothbard.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan and John from Pittsburgh Power with me. We're going to get to some calls and questions. Ethan and John, if you guys have anything, let's hold it for the next hour. I I only have one question, uh, and I doubt that I'll ever get an answer to it, but I'd like to know how much they paid for that report. (laughs) Well, the way they're spending money, everywhere I turn, there's a a, uh, Fitzgerald sponsorship on something. Yeah, I wish some of it would make it my way, but uh, yeah, every race I watch, I get to the you know IndyCar races uh, during the summer, and they sponsor Joseph Newgarden's IndyCar, which is with Penske, which is just a ton of money. They, there's probably not a more expensive sponsorship you could buy in racing than a Penske IndyCar sponsorship. Now they weren't on for every race, but uh, they were there quite a bit, and they do a lot of stuff in NASCAR, and I'm seeing them pop up in drag racing now too. Huh. So they're spending money. Yeah, they are. So that uh, you know, I don't know how expensive that test would have been. At uh, you know, compared to what I see them spending on other stuff, I, I I can't imagine that test was that expensive. But but whoever was whoever the the so-called scientist was who who, who took the money and and put their name on it and, and attached it to the university has got to be in some trouble. So oh, there's he, no way that that's. Uh, he he wasn't a scientist. He was the janitor. <laughs> Seriously, no, I, 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 I just made that up. But it, the janitor could have done a better job. I, I, it, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I know. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let, let's get to some phone calls. I'm going to jump down to a call that I told Roger to give us a call during the Power Hour. Roger in Kentucky, welcome to the program. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I'm the one that sent you the uh, dyno. Uh, with a 2,474 pounds torque and a 47 pounds boost on the turbo. Wow. Yeah. So go go over the details for the for these guys. Tell them the the year, the engine, and then some of the results off the dyno. Okay. I'm sorry. It's a 2009 Cascadia EDX six, and uh, I had an I had an in frame in it, and uh, just decided to. I never had a dyno on it. I thought, well, and I had the delete, the delete on it. And uh, I found a Freightliner dealer. He said he'd do a dyno. So I took it over there and they come out and told me that the truck overheated on the dyno, which isn't, isn't uncommon. They have a fan blowing on the front of the engine. I couldn't go out there to watch him do the dyno. So, and uh, he said, uh, oil temperature sending unit sensor failed. And the temp, uh, water temperature center failed, and the water levels failed. I said, how the hell does that happen? He said, I don't know what happened. So he replaced all that, and he came out and showed me the results, and I, I, couldn't, believe what I, was, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I said, 2,474 20, 2474 pounds torque and 47 pounds boost. I said, is this right? And he said, yep. That's all they said. You know, they weren't concerned about it nothing. So I went back to the mechanic that did the end frame. Well, I called him. I didn't even, I didn't move the truck. I left uh, sitting in the truck and called him. He said, Roger, there is no way in this world. No way. I said, I'm looking right at it. He's bring it to me. And I brought it to him. He looked at it and he said, there ain't no way. And the Freightliner yeah. dealer stands behind it. Do you have a mechanical boost gauge in the truck? No, that was a question I had for Kevin. On your scan gauge, uh, 
you, uh, does that have a parameter gauge too? Well, it, it can, but you I have to have the, the sending units, and you have to, the truck has to be set up for it. But okay, it, I, it, as much as I love the scan a, gauge for, for what it does, <laughs> for those two gauges, boost and pyrometer, I'd much rather see you install a mechanical gauge for both of those. Okay. I'm glad you told me that. Because I, I have a parameter now. I'm going to have it installed in the next day or two. And I didn't buy the uh, boost gauge because I want to talk to you about the uh, about your uh, scan gauge. So I'm glad you told me that. But the truck runs good, but I'm am scared of that torque and that boost, and and having the uh, delete. And when I'm driving it, you guys are old, you guys are old enough that back in the 70s you probably drove old junk cars that you had to wire the exhaust up with coat hangers, and you feel that exhaust yep. hitting the floorboard. You know, yep. the exhaust pipe in. That's exactly what it sounds like all the time. But when I push no. in the clutch, well, let, let me let me ask you a question. Okay. When you had the engine rebuilt, did you put a new torsional damper on the front of the crankshaft? No, I did not. No, that's your problem right there. It is. How many times do we have to write about it? How many times do we have to talk about it before these mechanics get it through their thick heads? that those torsional dampers need replaced. Uh, and, you know, well, after, so many years, after so many years, it gets very frustrating. Uh, you ride in trucks, you feel these problems. People bring trucks in that were just rebuilt and uh, no damper. I don't that, 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 that vibration, I, I call it a vibration, it did it since the day I got the truck. And I've had it everywhere. I've had wheel bearings checked. I've had everything checked. I've changed tires and everything, and it's, it's still there. But when I push in the clutch, it quits. And when I coast, I kick the cruise off and coast, it quits. But the okay. minute I kick the cruise on, it's there again. Have That's you redone the drive shaft? Have you redid the drive shaft? No, I had the uh, U-joints checked two different places, and they said they were fine. But I replaced That's the not drive, rebuilding the drive shaft. That's not rebuilding okay. a drive shaft. Take the drive shaft to a good drive shaft shop and have it balanced okay. and straightened and balanced and rebuilt because it's over a half a million miles on it, correct? Yes, 780. 780. And put one of our dampers and balancers on it, and I think that problem will go away. Okay. Okay. And another thing. Okay, for, go ahead. For for sixty eight dollars, you can put our mechanical boost gauge in it. That's the that's the kit, and then you call us up and tell us how many pounds of boost it'll make on a hard pull, and I'll tell you how much horsepower it's making. Okay, they did say uh, on this dyno, it did it's uh, it's a four fifty five DDX six, and uh, they they said it's uh, putting four 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 hundred and ten to the ground. Well, okay, so if it's putting 410 to the ground, let me do a calculation for you. I think they're wrong on the boost. So you're making, you say 410 to the ground? Yes, sir. You're making 482 flywheel horsepower. That's, that doesn't seem right. 482 horsepower, there's no way you're making 40. Nine pounder making is probably forty nine inches, 
you have to cut that in two. It means you're making 24 and a half, 25 pounds. I don't yeah, think yeah. I would uh, go back. I, I don't think the people that ran that dyno uh, was uh, were the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> and uh, I that's exactly what my mechanic said. He said that is that, that dyno's either messed up or their head's messed up. Something something's wrong. Now, why wouldn't they let you watch? We invite, when we run your truck on the dyno, we invite you to come back. You can be in the truck. You can be in the dyno operating room and watch the gauges. But we want you right there. See, that's what I wanted to do so I could learn about a dyno. Because I've never, I've never, uh, only on YouTube and TV have I ever seen a dyno. And that was on Street Mm -hmm. Outlaws and shows like that, you know. But I wanted to learn it. And he said, no, we're not allowed in the shop. I said, well, okay. Where, where, where do you live? Uh, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Oh, you're not far away. Come on up and see. Oh. And another thing, while I got you on the phone real quick, is uh, this truck, since it was since well, I bought it two years ago, since I've owned it, has done this consistently, and even with the end frame, it does it again. It does it without the delete. It did it with the delete. It, it constantly does it. When I coast down a hill, and I call it the saddle, because you got a hill going up the other side. When I coast down a hill and I get that saddle, if I'm just using my foot or the cruise, it doesn't matter. When I hit that upgrade, it kind of sputters, coughs a little bit, and puffs a white cloud of smoke out the exhaust. And if I let off, if I get after it, it'll do it for a little bit. But if I let off and ease back into it, it'll quit. It only does it only does it after I coast. Here's what I want you to try. When okay. you're going down into that saddle, I call it like a roller coaster, down into the dip and right, going right, right back up. I want you, you don't have a boost gauge, but what I, if you had a boost gauge, I'd want you to take, roll your foot into the throttle before you get to that saddle and take it up to about 10 pounds of boost and then hold it through there. And if that problem goes away, to me, that's you're getting air in the fuel. Okay. Alrighty, I sure appreciate it. And, uh, come, come see us. Let's put it on a dyno and let's set the power to where it should be and, and get everything right for you. All right, I'll do that when I get some uh, fun stuff. This truck has got me tapped right out right now, but I really appreciate it, guys. You're welcome. There's the music. I've got to get to a break. We'll be right back with more stuff. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan and John from Pittsburgh Power with me. We're going to get right back to the calls. We're off to Texas. Sean, welcome to the program. 
Good afternoon, gentlemen. I have one of those gear fast, run slow kind of trucks. I'm about to retire after eight years. So uh, I know the struggle. My company thought it was a good idea back in 2009 and 10. It's it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's with the the DD. I have a 2010 with the DD15, and the torque helps a little bit, but um, just it's really hard to lug it. I mean, it does well on the boost, even at low RPMs, but it it should have been a direct drive. It would have been a better truck, but. I'm uh, about to sell this truck to a friend of mine. Before I do, I want to clear up one issue I've had. Um, I have a fuel injection pump 14 code that's been on my dash for a while. And I've, I've replaced my injector tubes and also my high-pressure fuel pump been replaced. Um, my 30-day has been at 7.74. My 60-day has been at 7.70. So fuel economy, for what I do, has been great. I run flatbed in Central Texas. I'm just trying to figure out what might be my last issue to look at. Hmm. I don't know that code, do you? Not off the top of my head, that one. Is it fuel pressure? The injectors are original. Well, the injectors are original. My fuel economy has mm-hmm. been great. Um, I'm just, I've I haven't. Uh, I've done an oil analysis about fifty thousand miles ago, and I haven't. I don't have any fuel in my oil. Okay. The only thing I could think of is maybe I have a harness issue, or a maybe I have a injector, or a uh, I guess the cup is maybe leaking and pressure. There's something wrong with the pressure. It is. It is a pre- Is it a low pressure code? Is that what that code is? I don't know the DD15 codes offhand. I can read you the whole code. That would help. But it says yeah, please. engine engine F A zero zero S P N zero zero one zero seven seven fuel injector pump fourteen. Injector pump fourteen. Because I know there's that manifold, there's, there's that fuel distribution block on there that sometimes it's, I know that's got some valves and things in it that leak and cause a code from time to time. Uh, if you've had an injector bleeding down, you would probably see it with the common relics that's such high pressure that if uh, you have an injector that's not sealing properly, you either do damage, it'll definitely overfuel. Uh, you'd know uh, that that would that would be that would be really really uh, obvious. Yeah, I just I'm afraid to like touch my injectors because they've been running. The truck's been for fuel economy for what it is. It's been one of the best trucks in our fleet of uh, Cascadia's, you know, for, for flatbed. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, it's always been one of the better trucks for fuel economy. So I was just, uh, no, no, I'm kind of at a loss. I'm ready to, you know, I'm giving my friend a good deal. I said, here, the truck runs great. You have to figure it out or <laughs> put tape over the light. Because <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, I, I, I think the problem is this engine, you know, hasn't been out long enough for people to figure out these, these issues. So and I, I really don't want to throw any more money at it if it's not if nothing's wrong with it. Yeah, I'd keep running it until it got worse. Sometimes you have to do that with these problems. If you're getting that kind of fuel mileage and the truck's reliable, I would uh, I'd keep running the thing. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm trading her in for a 2019 Cascadia with a 228 direct drive, 12-speed automated transmission. So I'm really excited to see what kind of mileage I'll be running with my operation that I do. So yeah, that one will do yeah. do do fine at the at uh, the gear fast run slow. I believe peak torque on that new engine is like nine hundred nine hundred and seventy five RPM or something. And uh, yeah, I believe I they it. utilize some cylinder deactivation as well. So that's uh, 
Yeah, you're going to do great with that. That'll probably be a 10 mile per gallon machine out of the box. I'll be recording it once I get about a 98 average. I'll let you guys know how this varies. Uh, I have a fleet errors actually. I've been working with them to get the new filter design for this engine. Uh, I've given him all the measurements, and he said I'm one of the first guys to get the new box. So uh, it's gonna be a great. Uh, should be a, hopefully it's 10 mile per gallon Central Texas flatbed. That's my goal. So I think I'll be able to do it. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Have a great day. You're welcome. Thanks You're welcome. for the call. Let's head off to. North Dakota. Stan, welcome to the program. Stan, are you with me? Uh-oh. I've got the line on. Things are working just fine. Uh, Stan might not be listening. Lost, let's, Stan. Yeah, let's go to Utah. Mike, welcome to the program. How you doing today? Good. Gentlemen? Hey, got a question probably for John on coolant. Yeah. John, yep. I guess what do, you want to about? Are we, do we assume that red is red and green is green, or we changed mine over to red when we were there, but I grabbed a spare gallon the other day to put in the truck, and if you read the context of three of them, they're Jupiter and Pluto other than color. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? One says yeah, yeah. no nitrate. One wants to brag about something else. So it's like, really? Is it standard or not? <laughs> I, I prefer the red myself, but uh, that's, that's right. But saying. but I mean, is is all the red the same? If I grab a spare gallon of red, is it the same? Or I mean, everybody's got their secret sauce, but uh, it, is it the same or not? They're compatible, but some of the modern reds are the nitrate-free, you know. And I, I didn't know anything about that for coolant. I, I look for nitrate-free wines, but uh, <laughs> red uh, coolant, I, I don't know what the benefit of nit- nitrate-free is. But uh, that, so the mod- more modern reds are all nitrate-free, and the other ones aren't. But they are compatible, so I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Put red worry even. Okay, yeah, even the red it doesn't have, say nitrate-free. Uh, right, even if it doesn't say, it, don't worry about it. The uh, okay. The reds seem to have a, a better ability to fight corrosion. They seem to, to not uh, transfer the electrolytes as easily as the green. So they tend to, you know, you have, have a little less issue with bimetal corrosion. And on your engine, it doesn't, you know, yours has been fine with green also. But, um, yeah, the reds are, are a little bit more resistant to corrosion. All right. I just, like I said, I was like, holy heck, they, they should be the same. But they, if you read them, they don't even act like the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 I thought I'd ask on that. Uh, other uh, other question. How you doing, Bruce? Good. I, I was going to say you might want to say how Mike was uh, one of our regulars at the owner-operator snowmobile conference, and he just got home yesterday from the conference that we had up in Togedy, Wyoming, and we stayed at the Line Shack Lodge, and we had use of the entire lodge, and it was a great experience. You might want to touch on that, Mike. It was great. Uh, we had some people there. We had a couple guys from Canada. Uh, everybody had a great time smiling. Um, I believe Kevin's probably, I think he's met uh, Larry, which I call Legend Larry, after all them years in trucking. I mean, he's he's a whole lot of experience, and he makes Ram McNally look pretty sad. <laughs> but it, it was a, a, a awesome experience. I mean, uh, like I said, there's a 
a lot of knowledge when you go to those in all honesty and crud, it's you know, I look at it as if you go to McDonald's, you could probably always learn something if you keep your eyes open. So it was a wonderful experience. Uh, anybody that would like to come next year, uh, I would say just do it. You will enjoy it. It's fun. The atmosphere is so easy going. And like I said, you can learn something just from the knowledge that's there. Thank you. So thanks for putting that on, Bruce. Like I said, that's awesome. Uh, to this day, I still say that's probably the best business decision I ever did. Uh, Aaron was at the one that I went to. I ended up getting involved with profit gauges. Like I said, uh, the guys that I've met snowmobiling there, I've become very close friends with. And like I said, awesome people. And by coming to the snowmobile conference, that got you involved with the cmc it did it like i said i kevin i listened to you on the radio before but i'm kind of a touch hands guy so actually meeting aaron and bruce actually took took me to the next level like i said that's my own drawback but like i said uh, i'm kind of a hands-on guy so uh glad to see aaron there meet bruce and that was an awesome experience I remember reading articles about KTA Cummins, Bruce read years, um, uh, basically wrote years ago, and uh, uh, that was before I even owned a truck. And I said, one day if I have my truck, I'm going to take it to Pittsburgh Power. And, man, you better watch what you say. Things come true. <laughs> that's right. And look at you now. Hey, that's all great stuff. I'm looking at the clock, and it looks like we're going to have to wrap this up. We are out of time. We will do it again real soon. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. If you are not signed up for the online class that I hold, we have a 16-week class starting real soon. You want to head over to the website and get signed up for that. Uh, There are some other classes that you can take at your own pace as well. Uh, You just heard about profit gauges in the CMC. You can find all of that at the website. It's letstruck.com. You can always call our tribe care team. If you need some help, they are awesome. 855-800-3835. Grab something to write with. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining me. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, we are going to do a second hour. We've got a lot of questions on hold. We might be able to squeeze some more in. Uh, So if you want to jump in with a question, go ahead and press 1 on your phone, and we might be able to get to you. Here we go.